0: Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Before I read, please permit me to express what a joy it is to be here with you and what a blessing it is to have this time of worship and fellowship with you and to have the great privilege of proclaiming to you the Word of God. Today from Romans chapter 8, I will have you to look with me at verses 26 and 27, where scripture reads, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows. What is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. I want to label the message the ultimate prayer partner. The ultimate prayer partner. Romans chapter 8 is about life in the Spirit. We are confronted here in this chapter with the fact that the life of those who have been justified by faith is not to be lived out by keeping religious rules. Religion cannot save you, mature you in Christ, or please God. We live out this justification by faith and experience its benefits not by conformity to external rules but by the dynamic work of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 shares various aspects of this Spirit's work on the believer's behalf. Verses 26 and 27 present for us A vital but neglected ministry of the Holy Spirit on the believer's behalf. The intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit on the behalf of the believer. Here in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, the wonderful Holy Spirit is presented to us as our great prayer partner. In fact, one commentator rightly said this is arguably the most important passage about prayer in the New Testament. It is a neglected passage, but yet an important one that comforts us to know that as we pray, as we struggle in prayer because of our weakness, we we do not pray alone. The Holy Spirit Is our prayer partner. The bottom line here that the text teaches us is that you cannot pray without the Holy Spirit. This is not to say that the believer needs to get the Spirit to pray. As I mentioned last night, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, the B part says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. The moment you Repent of your sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. God, the Holy Spirit, takes up residence in your heart immediately and permanently and completely. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit within the heart of the believer is to help us in prayer. Prayer and the Holy Spirit are vitally linked together. One of the reasons we can pray with confidence, is that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. No wonder one writer said that prayer is a lifelong chance of a lifetime. (laughs) We are beneficiaries of divine help as we practice believing prayer. In this chapter... We are told in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, that the Lord Jesus Christ himself intercedes on our behalf. There, Paul says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. In Hebrews chapter 7 Verse 25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him because he always lives to make intercession for us. Our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And at the same time, God the Holy Spirit is within our hearts, interceding to the Father on our behalf. What a privilege. What a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. And for the record, that's a part of my personal theology, brothers. I've adopted the theology of needless pains. I have accepted the fact that some pain in life is inevitable, but by cherishing that hymn, I don't want to have to face no pain that is needless pain. No pain that you don't have to go through. But the M writer says something I think is true. Oh, what needless pains we bear because we do not carry. Not some things or certain things or special things or specific things or spiritual things, but everything to God in prayer. In these moments together, I just want to challenge us afresh to renew our devotion to believing prayer with confidence that you have a prayer partner who is interceding on your behalf. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In these two verses, I just want to show you two wonderful truths about the intercessory ministry of the Holy Spirit. First, in verse 26, we see that the Holy Spirit intercedes to help us in our weakness. Simply, the Holy Spirit intercedes to help us in our weakness. There was a mother who prayed for the salvation of her son, who was a notorious sinner. Her concern grew greater when he decided to go to Rome. She was convinced that him going to Rome would just exacerbate his wickedness. And she prayed that God would save him and not allow him to go to Rome so that he would be saved. God didn't hear her prayer, he went to Rome. God heard her prayer. God saved him in Rome. Church history remembers him as St. Augustine. She prayed about the immediate but didn't see the ultimate. And how many times do we struggle with that tension in prayer? This tension between the immediate and the ultimate. Verse 26 says, We have help for this mystery of prayer because the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we are, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Two ways here. The Holy Spirit helps us in prayer. First, the text just says he helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us. Don't run pass that too fast. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Weakness here is just a general expression for our fallen condition. And it's not a reference to specific times or circumstances or issues. It's not a reference to a specific aspect of weakness, physical, mental, or emotional, or moral. It is the general condition of fallen humanity. We are weak at our strongest point. We are weak. Notice that Paul groups himself in this. He says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And the us not only includes Paul, but it includes those whom he calls in, verse 27, the saints. Those who have been justified by faith. Those who have been set apart for the purpose of God. Those in whom the Spirit dwells, we are still weak people who cannot handle life on our own. Even those of us who lead and serve the church must not forget we are weak. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 says, God has placed the treasure of the gospel in jars of clay. So, the surpassing power will be obviously of God and not of us. We are weak. Romans chapter 15, verse 1 says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is one of the aspects of our mutual responsibility to one another in the church as brothers and sisters in Christ. The strong are to bear with the failings of the weak. But here in Romans 8, 26, Paul says the, the problem is as we help one another, all of us are weak. And there are times we will turn to one another for support that cannot be found because all of us are weak. But the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He comes alongside and takes hold. A.T. Robertson says that he comes alongside and takes hold in our weakness and before it's too late. He helps us in our weakness. This term here for help is used in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. Remember the scene there? Martha and Mary is cooking and cleaning, preparing a meal for Jesus, and Mary sits at the feet of Jesus to listen to him teach. And in her frustration, Martha comes out and rebukes the Lord and tells him to make her sister help her. And Jesus tells Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and your sister has chosen the good part, the good portion that will never be taken away from her. The Holy Spirit, because of his ministry on our behalf, there is no reason for us to be anxious or troubled about anything, brothers. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. John Phillips says, like a doctor comes alongside to help at a bed, like the fireman comes alongside the burning building, like the lawyer comes alongside the accused in a court of law, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. But then secondly, he says, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The verse begins with a general statement of our weakness. And it tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And now he specifies (coughs) the dynamic of this weakness. Our weakness gets betrayed in our prayers. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. One of the evidences of our weaknesses is shown in our times of prayer. We we do not know what to pray for as we ought. This statement is not absolute. There are definitely times we know what to pray for when simple practice for prayer is just to pray the Bible back to God. We pray the scriptures. We, we can pray for anything and everything that the Bible commands us to be and to do. It is by Scripture God speaks to us, and by prayer we can speak to God. And prayer is most effective as we praise Scripture back to God. But if Scripture is going to flow from us as we pray, it has to flow in us before we pray. We must learn, as the psalmist says, to delight ourselves, delight ourselves in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. So that our, our prayers are shaped and guided and led by the truth of Scripture and the commands of Scripture and the promises of Scripture. In that sense, we do know what to pray for, but, but there are matters of prayer that do not have chapter and verse. And it is in this sense that Paul says we, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We are weak people. We, we try to have a broad view, but we are looking from a narrow window, and we don't know what to pray for as we ought. the sincere Christians, as faithful Christians, we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Ray Pritchard noted here something that has just stuck with me. That the more we care about a matter, the harder it is to pray for it. I've just found that to be true in my own experience. There is a deacon in our church, a staff member, a dear friend, and he, he drives me on Sunday mornings. I preach four times at our church on Sundays. And he, he drives me to and from the services. It's just a, a blessing that he would serve me that way. He came to work a week and a half ago and collapsed in our church office. And he's in ICU right now he's in a meeting with us one night on a thursday night and the next day he is in icu and his dear wife is bracing for the loss of her husband and our church is carrying a burden of concern for him and as my heart personally and pastorally is weighted with it it's I feel the weight of this text. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. We we have these things that weigh our hearts down. And we need direction in prayer and we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Do we pray that God provide or teach us to be content? Do do we pray that God deliver you out of or sustain you through? Do we pray for for rescue or for patience? We do not know what to pray for as we ought. There happens in so many instances in our lives. We we know that we ought to pray. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This is a crescendo of groanings in Romans chapter 8, yes? Verse 22 says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Nature itself knows that things are out of order. And groans for God to set it right. Verse 23, and that. Only the creation, but we ourselves, who as the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. As nature groans, the believer groans. Now in verse 26, the Bible says the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He prays for us with groanings too deep for words. It's a miracle and mystery of prayer. The Spirit of God prays to God on our behalf. There is this inner Trinitarian communion that takes place in Prayer. Where God, the Holy Spirit who dwells within, appeals to the Father on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. father had been away on a business trip for some time. When he returned, mother made a wonderful dinner for the family. Sent her son into the yard to pick flowers to arrange for the table. When he came back and presented them joyfully to his mother, she gladly received them and waited for her son to leave the room and began to pick through them because her son had pulled up weeds with flowers. Mother pulled the weeds and arranged the flowers and set them on the table for the dinner. And in some greater, deeper, higher way, this is how the Holy Spirit helps us as we pray. As we offer our prayers and petitions and needs and burdens and issues and hopes and fears to God, he removes the weeds and keeps the flowers. How does all of this work exactly, HB? I don't know. (laughs) But I'm just going to take the position of Robert G. Lee, the Southern Baptist pastor who who used to say, I don't understand electricity, but I'm not going to sit in the dark until I do. I don't understand how this mystery of the Holy Spirit's intercession with groans too deep for words takes place, but thank God for it, brothers. And What an encouragement it is to pray as we pray for the care of our own souls and pray as shepherds for the church and pray for the desperate needs of the, world's around, of the world around us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness We don't know what to pray for as we are, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The fact that we don't understand this, there's no reason to shy away from it. We should lean all the more on this precious promise, trusting that Ephesians 3 and 20 is true. God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the working of his power that's in us. The Holy Spirit intercedes to help us in our weakness. That's verse 26, but there is another truth in verse 27. Verse 26 says the Holy Spirit intercedes to help us in our weakness. Verse 27 says the Holy Spirit intercedes in harmony with the will of God. Holy Spirit intercedes in harmony with the will of God. There is a New Testament pattern of prayer where we pray to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the help and power and guidance of the Holy Spirit. It is not wrong to pray to any person of the Godhead, but this pattern seems to hold in the teachings of the New Testament. And here we, we see how... The Holy Spirit and God the Father relate to one another in prayer. Verse 27 says, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. These two verses go together wonderfully. Verse 26 links The Spirit's intercession to us as he helps us in our weakness by praying for us with groanings that words cannot express. But then verse 27 links the intercession of the Holy Spirit to God the Father. Who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is as the Spirit prays for the saints according to the will of God. Here we find further reason why we can pray with confidence with the aid of our great prayer partner. First, he says here in verse 27, God knows the intentions of the Spirit. Verse 27 is is an affirmation of the omniscience of God. It reminds us that God Knows everything, known, unknowable, and knowable. There is nothing God does not know. And in the language here, he says, affirming the omniscience of God, that God is the one who searches hearts. (coughs) Pardon me. God is the one who searches hearts. This is our problem. This is the difficulty of our relationships with one another. We don't know what's in another person's heart. Unfortunately, at times, that doesn't stop us from judging other people's intentions and motivations and sincerity. But we don't know what's in another person's heart. For that matter, we don't know what's in our own hearts. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. There is a depth of wickedness in our own hearts that we don't know, much less us acting as if we are experts in what is in another person's heart. But the Lord is the one, God the Father is the one who searches hearts. Remember 1 Samuel chapter 16 when Jesse begins to present. To the Lord, his boys, who he thinks will make a great king. And one apparently comes right out of central casting. He looks like a king and walks like a king and talks like a king, so much so that the prophet himself is convinced and says, surely the Lord's anointed is among us. And the Lord pulls... Prophet Samuel aside, whispers in his ear, you better keep quiet in this process. 1 Samuel 16 and 7, because we are not looking for the same thing, right? For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord is looking at the what? At the heart. The Lord is the one who searches the heart. God searches the heart. This truth is either charming or chilling, depending on what is in your heart. If your heart is in rebellion against God, may this truth convict you. The Lord knows your heart. If you have submitted to his will for you, may this truth comfort you today. The Lord searches and knows what is in your heart. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Here. The omniscience of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to pray for the believer is linked together. The one that searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is. As we struggle with these matters of prayer, this is the comfort that our prayer partner is praying in alignment with the will of God the Father. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. God the Father knows what's on the mind of the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God knows what's on the mind of God the Father. And the Holy Spirit thus prays for us according to the will of God. God doesn't say no to God. They are in perfect agreement. As the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints, the Holy Spirit prays for us. And the text says that God knows the intentions of the spirit. And it also tells us that God agrees with the intercession of the spirit. That's the rest of verse 27. He who searches heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Whatever this process of verse 26 actually is of the Holy Spirit interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. Uh, the, the, the comforting truth is now given in verse 27. Whatever that process that is beyond us looks like, know this. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is where our struggle in prayer is. This is why we do not know what to pray for as we ought to. It is this matter of God's will. Rightly, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, bids us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is a lifelong process for the believer. Thus, we, we struggle in prayer. We, we don't know what to pray for as we ought to, because there are times we don't know, in, what, in this particular matter, what the will of God is, But here we see that the Scripture doesn't say this to criticize us. The Scripture says this to comfort us. In the real sense, the text says it's okay if you don't know what God is exactly up to. As you pray, you have help from on high and you have the help of the Holy Spirit within and as we struggle before God in prayer, we are comforted to know that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And I really think this, this really pushes us to what the burden of prayer is all about, friends. This is a matter of personal study for me regularly. Whenever I can steal away from my preaching schedule to say something about prayer, I take advantage of it because it forces me to dig deeper into Scripture about what the Word of God says about prayer. This is vital for the Christian life and key to the pastoral work of ministry. Acts 6 and 4, I believe, just summarizes what our work should be, that we're to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word, not just the ministry of the Word, but also to prayer. I said this. A year or so ago, in a, in a conference with some young preachers, and one of them dared to ask me which is more important prayer or the ministry of the word. And I asked him back if you are 30,000 feet in the sky on a plane, what is more important, the left wing or the right wing? We are to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And I think this, this, as I said, this this passage is one of the passages that gets to the burden of prayer. There's one key to prayer. There's one key to effective prayer. It is a heart of dependence. One writer said that the key to prayer can be stated in one word, helplessness. Prayer won't get right until I recognize my dependence upon God, my neediness for God, my helplessness without God. This is why God orchestrates the circumstances in our lives and families and ministries the way he does. He keeps bringing us to an end of ourselves to force us to recognize our need for him, to lead us to the fountain where there is everything that we need as we come to the throne of grace and prayer. Solomon rightly said to his sons, trust in the Lord. With all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. This text acknowledges our weakness and confronts us with the fact that we don't know what to pray for as we are. To encourage us to press on in prayer. Seeking the will of God with confidence that the wonderful Holy Spirit is our ultimate prayer partner. One more thing. Right after this great truth, verse 28 says, and we know. Wait, what? What, Paul? Verse 26, you just told us we do not know. Now, two verses later, we know, which is it? Thank God it is both, yes? We do not know what to pray for as we are. We may not know the immediate, but we do know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Hot summer day, a lady decided to go to her neighbor's vegetable stand to get grapes. It was a long line. It was a hot day. But she stood in line patiently, watching him warmly greet everyone in line ahead of her and quickly service them once they made their request. Somehow, in the process, by the time she got to the front of the line, she was a little frustrated with the wait. He didn't seem to greet her as warmly as the people in front of her. And when she made her request for some grapes, he took her bag and said, Give me a moment, and went around back and made her wait even longer. And somehow just processing all of this, she was rubbed by it all. She thought her neighbor was taking advantage of her. She determined that when he got back, she was going to give him a piece of her mind. Until he returned with the most beautiful grapes she had ever seen. And an apology. Sorry it took me so long, but I, I had to make you wait so I could go in the back and get you my best. Brother, you may be in line waiting on God to do something in your life, in your family, in your ministry. You may be in line watching other people get what they need and move on. But I stood to say today, friend, whatever you do, don't get out of line. And while you're in line, don't be patient, impatient, and don't be discouraged, and don't be frustrated. Trust God, and in his own timing, he will give you what is best. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful ministry of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the ways around us and beyond us. The wonderful Holy Spirit is at work, but thank you again for this particular passage that reminds us how your Spirit works within us and how He ministers to our needs and how He aligns us with your will. And how he accomplishes in us and through us your good pleasure as we follow Christ. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to always pray and not lose heart. Teach us to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. As we make our requests known to you, may your peace, which surpasses understanding, guard our hearts and minds, Christ Jesus. Help us to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with all thanksgiving. Would you forgive us for our prayerlessness? Would you forgive us for worrying when we should pray? For hustling in our own strength when we should pray? Doubting and you know, walking in fear when we should pray. Thank you that in ways beyond our understanding, but consistent with your character, your promises, and your authority, you help us when we reach out to you in our weakness. And by your Holy Spirit, you strengthen us for prayer. I pray for these men under the sound of my voice that our lives and our ministries would be marked by devotion to prayer as well as the ministry of the word. That you'd help us to remember that when we work, we work, but when we pray, you work. And you truly are able to do far more abundantly than any and everything that we can ask or think by the indwelling presence of your wonderful Holy Spirit who is already at work in us. So to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. Amen.